Good Thursday morning. Candidates get heated at the Republican presidential debate overnight. Yeah, but Donald Trump not there once again. It's December 7th. This is today. Candidates clash for GOP hopefuls facing off. Chris Christie going after the absent frontrunner and challenging his rivals to do the same. He or shall not be named. They don't want to talk about it. While the leader on stage endures a barrage of attacks. Nikki will cave to those big donors when it counts. I love all the attention, fellas. Thank you for that. <laughs> this morning, the takeaways and the impact on the race with the first contest just a month away. Terrifying moments, a gunman opening fire at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Three people killed, the campus locked down for hours, students forced to hide inside their classrooms. I honestly didn't think I was going to make it out of there alive. The shooter killed by police, reportedly turned away for a job at the school. The search for answers just ahead. Weekend worry, a powerful storm system on the move. Tens of millions from the Midwest to New England set to face severe weather during a big weekend of shopping and travel. How's full forecast just ahead? Celebrating Norman Lear, tributes pouring in for the groundbreaking TV legend behind some of the most iconic sitcoms of all time. One, two, three. <laughs> This morning, how Hollywood is remembering the man who changed the face of television. Trouble in Yellowstone, an unusual legal battle pitting the creator of the wildly popular show against one of its own stars. Inside the new lawsuit and what it could mean for the show's return. All that plus Taylor's time, the new person of the year opening up in a very rare interview. What the music star is revealing about life in the spotlight, reaching new heights in her career, and Travis Kelsey. And beam us up. <laughs> a holiday surprise for visitors at Rockefeller Center high above the famed tree. A brand new attraction letting you follow in the fearless footsteps of the construction workers who built this place. And we were the very first to try it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. So buckle up for a high-flying adventure today, Thursday, December 7th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning, guys. Welcome in. It's Thursday. Happy to see you. Thank you for joining us. We were buckled in. We and were. It, and it wasn't quite as scary as it might have seemed. No, it, it looks scarier than it yeah. actually was. And we survived. Yeah, so we'll we tell did. you about our trip high above Rock Center mm -hmm. in a little bit. Got a busy morning ahead. Al's right over there keeping his eye on a major storm on the move. And it is headed to the uh, East Coast just in time for the weekend. A lot of folks are heading to holiday parties, maybe shopping out. Of course, Al's already done his shopping in July. <laughs> but we will have his full forecast in just a minute. We are going to start, though, with the race for the White House. Republican candidates holding their fourth debate last night in Alabama, the last one scheduled before the Iowa caucuses next month. Frontrunner Donald Trump once again absent. The four candidates on stage trailing him in the polls by a huge margin and, look, margin and looking to gain any traction before the first ballots are cast. We're going to break down the night with Kristen Welker, who's moderator of Meet the Press. But let's get started in Tuscaloosa with NBC's Garrett Haight. Garrett, good morning. 
Hey, Hoda, good morning. Look, time is running out for the four candidates on stage last night to change the dynamics you were just describing. And while a surging Nikki Haley was clearly the center of the attention on the debate stage, it was the most dramatic moments revolving around that absent frontrunner, Donald Trump, last night. Overnight, the fourth Republican presidential debate devolving into a four-way brawl, with Nikki Haley and the absent Donald Trump taking most of the punches. Chris Christie calling out his fellow candidates for ignoring their party's dominant frontrunner. He's the one who, as you just put it, is way ahead in the polls. And yet I've got these three guys who are all seemingly to compete um, with, you know, Voldemort. He or shall not be named. They don't want to talk about it. Christie also asked about this Trump comment. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, no, no. Other than day one. This is an angry, bitter man who now wants to be back as president because he wants to exact retribution on anyone who has disagreed with him. Do I think he was kidding when he said he was a dictator? All you have to do is look at the history. But with Mr. Trump fundraising in Florida overnight and refusing to take part in a single debate, it's been Nikki Haley who's seen a rise in both momentum and money. And in terms of these donors that are supporting me, they're just jealous. They wish that they were supporting them. Haley fending off increasingly personal attacks from Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. Nikki will cave to those big donors when it counts. The only person more fascist than the Biden regime now is Nikki Haley. I love all the attention, fellas. Thank you for that. (laughs) Haley later brushing off Ramaswamy when he called her corrupt. Would you like to respond? No. It's not worth my time to respond to him. With the frontrunner absent, the night often marked by personal attacks. Chris, your version of foreign policy experience was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. So do everybody a favor. Just walk yourself off that stage, enjoy a nice meal, and get the hell out of this place. Christie also mocking DeSantis for refusing to directly answer a question about Mr. Trump's fitness for office. We do not want to do something that's You're talking about him being 80 years old. It doesn't mean that somebody couldn't get elected. That's not the people that run. DeSantis, let's I think we have an opportunity Overnight, the Trump campaign putting out a statement saying the time for this sort of thing is over and that these candidates should all unify around Donald Trump so they can focus their time, money and energy on defeating Joe Biden next year. Savannah. All right, Garrett. Hey, thank you. Let's turn to Kristen Welker, moderator of Meet the Press. Kristen, I mean, Trump was not in the room. He was spoken about. But I mean, it's do or die time for these candidates. They're either going to lay a glove on him or they're not. So did they? They didn't, Savannah. In fact, Chris Christie was yet again the only candidate who decided to take direct aim at former President Donald Trump. The other candidates time and time again had the chance to and declined to directly go after him. You saw a great example there in Garrett's piece where Ron DeSantis was asked if he's fit to serve for office. He kind of danced around that question, didn't directly engage. Instead, what we saw was a real pile on on Nikki Haley. But again, that allows the front runner, the person who's nearly 30 points ahead in Iowa to go unscathed. And without seeing these candidates collectively and directly go after former President Trump, it's hard to see that anything changes. And taking a step back, Savannah, again, This is the fourth debate that Trump has decided not to attend. 
it hasn't hurt him. If anything, it's only emboldened him. I mean, if you add up those candidates that were on the stage, I didn't put them all. It still doesn't add up to Trump's lead in some of these polls. So, you know, all of them will tell you, well, just get me in a two person race. And and then that's when I'm going to have my moment. What are the chances of that? What did we see in terms of the DeSantis, Haley, Christie, Ramaswamy dynamic? Well, what we saw was this all-out attempt to take on Nikki Haley, who has been surging in the polls, particularly when it comes to Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. The two of them are kind of vying for second place. But is this anything more than a fight for second place? That remains to be seen. She clearly came prepared for these attacks. You heard her say there that she likes all of the attention, fellas. But look, she did have some moments that may have had an impact, including when they accused her of accepting these big dollar donors. She tried to dismiss that. But could that have an impact with some of the Republican base? We did talk to some of her supporters after the fact. They said they felt like this was not her best debate. Savannah. Kristen, thank you. I know you'll be talking about that and more Sunday morning Mm -hmm. on Meet the Press. Well, let's turn let's turn now to that mass shooting on the campus of the University of Nevada's Las Vegas. A lone gunman opening fire, killing three people and kill, uh, killed and injuring another person. And this morning, we're learning more about the victims and that shooter. NBC's Steve Patterson is at UNLV with the latest. Hey, Steve, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. Here on campus, all classes and activities shut down for the rest of the week as the community here really begins to process its grief, all while police are working to uncover what led to this terrifying attack. A day of terror on the campus of UNLV. Just before noon, police say a gunman opened fire on the fourth floor of the business school building, killing three and wounding a fourth before being shot and killed by university police. Armed confrontation of the suspect by law enforcement stopped the suspect's further actions. Three law enforcement sources familiar with the investigation tell NBC News the gunman was a male in his 60s. The suspect had been reportedly turned away from a job at UNLV in previous years. Investigators not providing a motive. This alarm prompting students like Brett Johnson to escape on foot. I always hear about uh, mass shootings, and especially at schools and stuff, but like it doesn't feel real until it actually happens. A chilling warning posted on the campus website urging students to run, hide, fight. And we heard the clips of semi-automatic weapons just going for what felt like about 30 seconds. It was a very, very disturbing thing to hear. Classrooms full of terrified students locked down for hours. I honestly didn't think I was going to make it out of their life. For many in Las Vegas, the shooting brought back memories of the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history, when 58 people were killed and hundreds wounded in 2017 at a music festival on the Vegas Strip, less than four miles from the UNLV campus. No student should have to fear pursuing their dreams on the college campus. After the initial terror, some students expressing anger. More has not been done to stop mass shootings in America. School shootings have been happen- happening since I was born. I was born in the year 2000. It's 2023. And I'm tired of it. College is supposed to be the best time of your life, not the end of it. According to the Gun Violence Archive, there have now been more than 630 mass shootings in this country in 2023. That is now nearing record-breaking levels.
Ida. All right, Steve Patterson for us there in Vegas. Steve, thank you. Breaking overnight, a new round of intense fighting has erupted in Gaza. Israeli troops battling Hamas militants as aid groups are warning that the humanitarian crisis triggered by this war is getting even worse. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel joins us now. Richard, good morning. Good morning, Savannah. We are on the kibbutz of Nir Oz, and this is one of the communities that was devastated when Hamas attacked two months ago today. And this is the town hall. There were only 400 people living here, and a quarter of them were either killed or kidnapped. And there's one thing I want to show you inside that I think encapsulates everything that happened here. And you can see how Hamas militants shot their way in. Inside, this is the small post office of this place. And all of the post boxes have been labeled black stickers for the owners who were kidnapped, blue, and they're not that many of them, for those who were released, freed by Hamas, and all these red ones for people who were killed. This attack happened right around now, just after 6.30 in the morning, as Hamas militants went on a killing and kidnapping spree. Israeli troops say they're making advances against Hamas in Gaza killing its field commanders. The military releasing new video overnight of soldiers on foot on the attack. And fresh airstrikes. Military officials tell NBC News troops are finding and destroying hundreds of entrances to Hamas tunnels, showing us videos of shafts discovered outside a school. Piers of the tunnel. The Hamas terror tunnel going under the school. Israel is blowing up the tunnels it locates. And according to U.S. officials, is considering flooding them with seawater. Some of Hamas's hostages may be inside those tunnels. As Israel continues its open-ended military campaign in Gaza, U.S. officials tell NBC News they worry if Israel has a clear exit strategy. The offensive is turning much of the Gaza Strip into a wasteland. An Israeli colonel acknowledged the entire city of Beit Hanun in northern Gaza has been made uninhabitable. Are Palestinians going to be able to go back to areas that you were clearing? Well, right now they won't, but if there will be a rehabilitation effort from the international community after denutralizing the, 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 the Gaza Strip, then I think it will be possible. Right now it's not livable. That means... There will be no homes to return to for many of the Palestinians who have fled the north and are now packed into southern Gaza. Moving south has been traumatic for seven orphans and disabled children who left a care home in Gaza City. We met Ayas at the start of the war. He's blind and paralyzed. Now he and some of the others are in Han Yunus. His carer is running out of medicine for him. They've already moved four times and may have to relocate again as Israel's campaign against Hamas continues to expand. And right next to that post office is the kibbutz's dining room. And today is the first day of Hanukkah, and they've set up the tables here with people who are not here, including the Bibas family. This is the youngest hostage and all of his family here at at what would have been a holiday meal. Savannah. Very poignant. Richard, thank you very much. 7.15, a lot more to get to. We say goodbye to a Hollywood legend. Yeah, we lost another icon. Hoda, Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Hollywood pausing to remember 
a true icon of the industry. We're talking about Norman Lear this morning, the legendary producer created some of the most beloved and most groundbreaking sitcoms of all time. His impact on television and culture in general, hard to overstate. NBC's Jacob Sobroff joins us with more on Lear's life and his legacy as well. Jacob, good morning. Good morning, Craig. Norman Lear is the creative mind behind some of the most memorable and important shows on the small screen. At one point, get this, he was responsible for six of the top ten shows on the air. Get out of the chair! Over the course of his seven-decade career, the shows Norman Lear created changed television and the people who watched it, tackling serious social issues like sexuality, feminism, and race. One, two, three. At the heart of it all was humanity, something he discussed on Today many times over the years. I'm in love with the importance of sharing what is common to us in our own humanity. Every version of us. He sat down with Al to catch up over pastrami sandwiches in 2016. When you look at the body of your work, what are you most proud of? Often I hear my dad, my dad, how he laughed and he was ahead of touch of Archie and then that we laughed together because I believe to my toes that as human beings we have versions of one another. And this is only Lionel, he lives next door. <laughs> my daughter's married to the white guy over here. As for his longevity, what's the secret? I think it has as much to do with living in the moment as anything. Living in the moment and laughter. An icon in the entertainment industry, the prolific writer and producer dedicated much of his life to causes he was passionate about. Every generation, Americans need to be reminded once again uh, that, uh, that these liberties must be protected. Though he found great success, he was never in it for the accolades, nor the money. I mean, you're, you're at a stage where most people would be content to rest on their residuals. You're not. No, there's a new conversation in the 90s, and I like to be part of the conversation. Last year, Lear joined me to talk about the rise of anti-Semitism in America. Norman, you have not shied away from calling out hate when you see it. America has not realized all of its promise, but the promise is nonetheless there. Many of Lear's famous collaborators paying tribute. He was a second father to me, and Norman uh, showed me how you could use your celebrity, use your fame to uh, advance uh, issues that you cared about. As for Lear and how he wanted to be remembered. Do you think about your legacy? I would say he mattered, but only if I could help people understand that's true of all of us. Every day is another production. In an extraordinarily moving tribute overnight, all of the major television networks, including NBC, simultaneously aired an in-memoriam card to the TV giant. Lyra survived by his wife, Lynn, and his six children. The family shared in a statement. He often said, am I not the luckiest dude? It seems gratitude and laughter, you guys, are the secret to living to 101 years young. Yes, it would seem that way. Jacob's so well forced there. Jacob, thank you. And you yeah. had one of the last conversations. With well, him. he changed the face of television and realized you could deal with substantive issues mm -hmm. and make people laugh at the same time. And even, you know, reminding people about America, he and a partner purchased a copy of the Declaration of oh. Independence and took it around the country so that we could see 
what freedom and democracy means. So, you know, he, he really put his money where wow. his mouth Wow, wow, wow. Beautiful. You'll be missed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Al, let's get a check here for you. All right, let's show you what's going on. And again, this, this severe weather we're talking about, we're really worried about what's starting out in the Pacific Northwest, where they've been seeing all these atmospheric rivers. The rain and snow has started to... to uh, taper off. But this morning, this storm is going to be hitting the West Coast, and this thing is going to be making its way and redeveloping right around the Rockies, east of the Rockies, for tomorrow. And here's where things start to get interesting. Saturday, line of storms erupts, and they move to the east. Now, we've been watching from Monday that this area is going to develop into a risk of severe weather Saturday afternoon and evening. Tornadoes possible, very strong winds, large hail from Little Rock, Tupelo down to Houston. So we're watching that. Then we move into Sunday. Flood risk from Florida all the way to New England. Winds of up to 50 miles per hour. And what we're also watching is the development of snow. It's still too early to tell how much, but we're looking at heavy rain, strong winds through the morning along the I-95 corridor, but snow developing across interior northeast. Rainfall amounts anywhere from two to three inches of rain stretching from Tennessee all the way up into New England. But the backside of this system, we could be looking at six to eight inches of snow back from Watertown, Buffalo, and parts of northern New England. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Just ahead, two tailors in the spotlight. Why Taylor Sheridan, the creator of Yellowstone, is now suing one of his own cast members over coffee and the potential impact on the future of that beloved show. All right, and then the other Taylor. Mm. You've heard of this one? The reaction pouring into her new title, Time Person of the Year. It's her first interview in years, and it's a juicy one. Emily Aketa's got the story, but first... This is Today on NBC. All right, guys, we're going to start this half hour with a legal dispute that could further shake up one of TV's most popular shows. A company owned by the creator of Yellowstone suing one of his own cast members for trademark infringement. And it's all over coffee. NBC's entertainment correspondent, Chloe Malas, is here with that story. Hey, Chloe, more drama, but not in the show. Good morning, Savannah. The lawsuit was filed by Taylor Sheridan's ranch, and it comes amid a rocky last year for his runaway hit series with star Kevin Costner exiting the show and suggesting that he might go to court over how that departure played out. A legal battle percolating between the creator of the hit show Yellowstone and one of its own actors. The lawsuit was filed in a Texas federal court by Bosque Ranch, which is owned by Yellowstone showrunner Taylor Sheridan and serves as a filming location for the series. According to a Wall Street Journal report citing executives and crew members, Yellowstone's network Paramount pays Sheridan up to $50,000 a week to film on his properties. Bosque Ranch debuted a coffee line in June and is accusing a coffee company launched four months later by Cole Hauser, who plays ranch hand Rip Wheeler on Yellowstone, of trademark infringement and false advertising. You leave now or you never leave. The grounds for the lawsuit? Bosque Ranch alleges that the interlocking letter design of Hauser's Free Rain logo is confusingly similar to the ranch's, causing irreparable damage to its brand. Taylor Sheridan and Boss Ranch did not respond to NBC News' request for comment. Free Reign declined to comment to NBC News on the lawsuit. But Hauser talked about his new brand of coffee on Today when it launched in October. What's the story behind behind Free Reign? I'll tell you, it's, you know, it's about taking risk. Hmm. You know, it's about enjoying your time and a little bit of coffee. Brand isn't something you earn, it's something you live up to. 
It could mean even more drama behind the scenes of the wildly popular hit show. Set to start filming its final episodes in the spring after a hiatus during the Hollywood strikes, scheduled to air in November 2024. But there's been no shortage of rumblings surrounding the series' end, including whether its star Kevin Costner will appear as John Dutton in the final episodes at all. After Costner testified during a September child support hearing that Paramount, quote, offered him less money than previous seasons and that there were issues with the creatives behind the show. Now it's unclear how the latest legal twist will affect Yellowstone's final days of filming. Costner said during the hearing that he was owed $12 million from the show and that they'd probably go to court over it, meaning another Yellowstone star could soon be embroiled in a legal dispute. So we're going to see how this all plays out, because remember, they are supposed to start filming this spring. And I know people are really looking forward to the other half of that final season. We are staying tuned, Chloe. All right. Thank you. Meantime, in case you missed the exclusive announcement right here on today, Taylor Swift was named Time's Person of the Year. And the pop superstar has plenty to say. She gave a very rare and wide-ranging cover story interview. NBC's Emily Akett is here, of course, to break it all down. Hey, Em. You guys know I read this through like at least 10 times. Time's cover story is giving Swifties a rare glimpse inside the singer's life and career. Taylor posting she usually has trust issues when it comes to giving interviews, but couldn't be happier with the magazine's piece, saying she's the proudest and happiest she's ever felt. It's a moment in time that has Swifties shrieking with excitement. It's a great day to be a Swiftie. And Taylor Swift sharing the biggest, loudest, most aggressively overexcited thank you on social media after being named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. An honor revealed right here on Today with Savannah and Hoda. We picked a choice, someone who represents joy. Someone who's bringing light to the world. Time's cover story, Swift's first interview in four years, features a series of stunning photos. The pop star telling the magazine, it feels like the breakthrough moment of my career happening at 33. And it's one she's trained hard for, describing her rigorous regimen to prepare for the Eras tour. Every day I would run on the treadmill, singing the entire set list out loud, she says. That record-breaking era's tour so huge, it boosted local economies and even dominated the silver screen. But since her first album 17 years ago, Swift points out she's been raised up and down the flagpole of public opinion. She discussed some of the most difficult moments, like getting canceled and moving to a foreign country after her public feud with Kanye West and then-wife Kim Kardashian and described feeling beat when her music catalog was sold. But Swift also celebrated some of her biggest influences, like Beyonce, saying she's the most precious gem of a person. As for her love story with Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, Swift says it all started when he put her on blast on his podcast this summer. You made her a bracelet? Yeah, I wanted to give Taylor Swift one with my number on it. Months later, Swift attended multiple Chiefs games, while Kelsey traveled all the way to Argentina to support her on tour. We're showing up for each other, Swift tells Time about their relationship. While some are disappointed with the magazine's choice amid a year marred by war, many applauding times, joyful selection. She absolutely deserves it. She's built an amazing career based solely on her talent. 
And despite some of the challenges she's faced on the road to superstardom, Swift says she's, quote, very careful to be grateful every second that I get to be doing this at this level. Next up, Swifties are hopeful she will release Reputation Taylor's version, which she says will have some fire new tracks. You know, that has the Swifties buzzing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, guys, look what I just got. Oh, Today's yeah. show friendship bracelet. Oh, yeah. They're, they're there. I wonder which of her three covers the kids are going to want to buy in frame. Can, what do you well, put your t- money on? Uh, the survey in my household with my yeah. fourth grade Swiftie is uh, the cat one. The of cat course. One. Obviously. She, she wants that cat one. Okay. I think they're all going to sell out like yeah. that like in yeah. five seconds. Mid-December. Yep. Time Magazine might know what it's doing. But yeah. you can order online now. <laughs> yeah. They said yesterday yeah. you can okay. order online. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks, Em. I Thanks, better do that. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the Swiftie beat, too. Coming up, Team Today takes on the Bean. It is the new attraction here at 30 Rock that lets visitors recreate an iconic New York City photo where we were the very first to get to try it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, first, though, Brian Chung is here with an, an eye on holiday shipping, huh? Yeah, good morning. There's going to be millions of packages zigzagging across the country for the holidays. How do you know that they're going to survive a few bumps and bruises along the way? Well, we put it to the test. That coming up later on Today. Coming up on 742 with today's holiday consumer. Christmas is almost here. The shipping rush, guys, is in full swing. Oh, yes. NBC's business correspondent, Brian Chung, has an exclusive and really eye-opening look at how FedEx is making sure that our packages survive shipment, huh? Yeah. Hey there. Good morning, guys. It's no surprise that packages will go through the ringer on their way to your doorstep. But for the first time, FedEx is letting in cameras to their special facility where they purposely try to break things. We put them to the test ourselves to see how they're keeping your holidays intact. About 82 million packages per day will zigzag across the country this holiday season, with the major shipping companies finding new and faster ways to get items to your door, including AI and autonomous vehicles to help move packages. And at FedEx's 33,000-square-foot packaging lab right outside of Memphis, Tennessee, Experts work with companies like Walmart and Wayfair to figure out the best ways to keep things undamaged in transit. Shaking, rattling, and rolling them. I'm trying to think of what to gift my mom for the holidays and decided to test out some options that might get to her intact with the help of FedEx packaging lab managers, Evan Edwards and Tyler Kenny. So we have a set of wine glasses here. We have a poster of her favorite artist, Harry Styles, some central barbecue. First, the wine glasses. We surrounded each fragile item with cardboard inserts before adding packing paper. There's steps to making sure that these are all going to arrive in, in one piece. Yeah, and it all depends on the fragility of the product. For our poster, trying to make sure our oddly shaped item doesn't crinkle or bend. We go with the tube in another tube. So what we're really trying to do is just make sure this thing isn't moving around too much. So that'll give us just an extra extra layer of safety and security. And for perishable items are ribs packed in a cooler with ice. With everything wrapped up, it's time to put the packages to the test. First, the drop test. Three, two, one. This package may be coming down a slide, coming down a belt with a heavier package behind it that may bump into it. I didn't hear any broken glass. I didn't either. Yeah. Then we applied some pressure. So today we're going to try to compress this package to 283 pounds. Literally bearing the load of other packages on top. 250 pounds. Again, simulating that much weight on top of it. Absolutely. And then tested for the bumps and bruises of a little turbulence. So it can be anything from hitting potholes, hitting the brakes hard, 
Um, it could be turbulence in the back of your aircraft when the package is being shipped. Finally, for the ribs, FedEx puts packages in a chamber that can simulate a really hot or really cold day to test if the items can keep in transit. Even if this box is in 100 degree weather. That's right, and we've got the climate chamber set up to a typical hot Memphis summer day. Now, time to assess the damage. First, our ribs stayed chill. Yeah, no, this is cold to the touch. Yeah. She's gonna be absolutely devastated if this isn't in one piece. Well, the poster held up. In one piece? That's right. And finally, the fragile wine glass. Cheers. I think your uh, mother would be happy. <laughs> I think so too. When tests aren't successful like ours were, FedEx will rethink or redesign its packaging and help businesses do the same. Right. That was fascinating. Mm -hmm. I mean, but if something does end up damaged, like what's what's the recourse? What can you do? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, life will happen. Right. And if it does arrive damaged, then you can try to reach out to the vendor to see if you can get a replacement or maybe a refund. Or you can also file a claim with the, uh, the package carrier. But by the way, hopefully we don't have to do any of that with uh, this. What is this? Package that, yeah. So we actually sent something from Memphis, from the facility while we were out there. Some oh. gifts for you guys. So we've got some uh, FedEx oh. hats up in here. Oh. Nice. Gang. And then nice. uh, we packed some gifts as well. And hopefully they arrived in one piece. But we've got, since after all we were in Memphis, uh, some ornaments oh. in the vein of Elvis Presley. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, little blue Christmas that. for you. So. Very cool. Yes. There you go. Oh, Happy man, holidays. Yeah, we got some more break. up in here. Again, thank safely you. packed. That's wow, you. great job, Brian. Thank Congrats, you, Brian. by the way, on your promotion. Oh, yes. thank you very good much. Business you. as usual. So. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. That's clever. All right, let's head over to Al. Get a check of the weather. All right, we're going to deliver a forecast for you, and you don't have to ship it, so that's pretty good. It's We've got frost advisories this morning along the Florida Peninsula and into the southeast Savannah. It's 37 right now, 52 Fort Myers, Mobile, Alabama, 36. Big dome of high pressure. And so you can see the look at these temperatures jet stream way up to the north. Minneapolis, 55 degrees today, 68 in Dallas, Evansville, 59 degrees tomorrow. Pittsburgh, you're going to be in the mid 50s. Roanoke, 64. Little Rock, 65. Des Moines, 57. Then that front's going to move through. So look at these temperature drops on Cincinnati, 63 on Saturday, 42 on Sunday. Atlanta, 68 Saturday, 60 on Sunday. And Richmond, Virginia, 67 Sunday, down to 51. New York City, Sunday, 60 degrees by Monday. We're down to 48. Any uh, bubble wrap to pop? Oh, opening up the ornaments. No, this is. Look at this. This one. is a good one. This Look one. at that. Oh, this guy. Oh yeah. Thank Which you. Thank you very much. Guy. Oh, I like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, you want this That's one? Upright Elvis. Walla walla. Okay, guys, okay. coming up. What do you put in your morning coffee? We're gonna dive into the growing debate over sugar and sugar alternatives and what's best when it comes to your health. Coming up, what had Bradley Cooper, a nine-time Oscar nominee, manning the grill of a food <laughs> truck? Carson will explain on Pop Start. 